This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 90. In this episode, I will cover the early history of the JFK 50, the oldest ultra in America that started in 1963, and I will tell you about its founder, Buzz Sawyer. I would like to thank many of you who have signed up to be a patron for Ultra Running History. Here's a shout out to some of our new Patreon members, Rob Letter of Connecticut and Alex Pace. Please consider also becoming a patron by signing up to contribute a few dollars each month. It goes a long way to help. Go to ultrarunninghistory.com member to become my partner. That's ultrarunninghistory.com member to become a Patreon member. Will do. In 1963, President John F. Kennedy unintentionally played an important role that provided the spark to ignite interest for ultra-running in America and elsewhere. An unexpected 50-mile frenzy swept across America like a raging fire that dominated the newspapers for weeks. Tens of thousands of people attempted to hike 50 miles, both the old and the very young. Virtually unnoticed was a small club 50-mile event hiked by high school boys in Maryland that eventually became America's oldest ultra, the JFK 50, founded by Buzz Sawyer. While running for president, Kennedy had campaigned with a goal to improve the nation's physical health, and once in office he made that a priority. He feared that the future generations would be spectators of sport rather than participants on the field of play because of their lack of physical fitness. A country uh, is as strong really as its citizens. And I think that mental and physical health, mental and physical vigor go hand in hand. I hope that uh, we will not find a day in the United States when all of us are spectators except for a few who are out on the field I hope all Americans will be on the field. Back in 1908, President Theodore Roosevelt issued an executive order that every Marine captain and lieutenant should be able to hike 50 miles in 20 hours. Kennedy discovered this order and asked his Marine Commandant, David M. Schaup, to find out how well his present-day officers could do with the 50-mile test. 20 Marine officers were selected to take the test in mid-February 1963 in North Carolina. A news article published nationwide on February 5, 1963, shared the story of the 50-mile test. It received intense national attention. President Kennedy never directly challenged the American public to take the 50-mile challenge, but the article inspired many across the country who were eager to test themselves too. Naive, untrained civilians immediately decided to hit the road without much planning to undertake the challenge in the middle of the cold winter. They weren't foot races. They were hikes to see if you could cover 50 miles on foot within 20 hours. There was hundreds of them around the United States and on military bases around the world. They were as popular as the hula hoop. The two big fads of 1963 were the hula hoop and 50-mile hikes. Young people by the thousands were doing them all around the country and around the world, actually. 
Four days after the story went public, President Kennedy's brother, Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, decided to take the challenge himself and hike 50 miles on the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal Path, the future home of the JFK 50, with his dog and some aides. After 25 miles, the group was ready to give up, but the press had caught wind of what Kennedy was doing and a helicopter arrived soon after with photographers and journalists. So Kennedy continued and reached 50 miles in 17 hours, 50 minutes, accomplished in a pair of leather Oxford dress shoes. Hundreds of 50-mile challenges were held all over America and throughout the world. Two little boys aged 6 and 7 from Florida set off on their own 50-mile hike. Their hike covered about 18 miles and for food, they ate oranges laying on the ground near the road. After about five hours, their mothers returned home from work at a citrus plant and found that the boys were missing. They searched and finally called police and the mothers found the boys on Route 595. One boy received a roadside spanking. The mothers took the boys to the police station to, quote, teach them a lesson. These long-distance 50-mile hikes set the stage for the birth of the JFK 50 in Maryland. The JFK 50 would have never existed if it were not for Buzz Sawyer. Who was this founder of the JFK 50? Many have the mistaken idea that the JFK 50 was founded by a Boy Scout leader or a military man. A recent Ultra Running Magazine quiz showed that 80% of Ultra Runners did not know correctly how the JFK 50 began. Few know that Sawyer, the founder, was the greatest long-distance runner of his time in Maryland. His passion for running made a huge impact on the lives of many and affected ultra running for generations to come. William Buzz Sawyer was born in 1928 in North Carolina. When Sawyer was six years old, he contracted rheumatic fever and was seriously ill in bed for six months. But he recovered and thankfully it did not impact his future athletic life. He first became interested in running while attending junior high school in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. He said, In gym class in those days, we had the choice of doing exercises or running cross-country. I chose the latter, and I never was sorry for it. The Sawyer family then moved to Norfolk, Virginia, where he went to Granby High School. He said that he did not turn any heads competing and never won a race. He graduated from high school in 1946 and then served three years in the Air Force where his association with running became virtually non-existent. He said, I just had no opportunity to compete. He took up the nickname Buzz probably because of a popular comic strip of the time that was called Buzz Sawyer. In 1951, Sawyer began attending North Carolina State University and was soon on his way to become an elite distance runner. I went out for track and cross country at State and won the South Conference Mile in 4 minutes 22 seconds my first year. During his sophomore year, he captured the conference cross country title and was unbeaten at the mile distance. During his junior year in 1953, at the age of 25, 
He won the ACC conference title in cross-country and the two-miler. He was the captain of the team and became a two-time All-American runner. After graduating from college in 1954, Sawyer moved back to Norfolk, Virginia and went to work at the Naval Air Station. He trained a little on his own and coached the cross-country team at his former high school, starting his lifetime career as a running coach. But when Sawyer moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to work for Douglas Aircraft, it started a long period of inactivity. In Tulsa, there was no competitions for non-school runners. If he would have stayed in Tulsa, the JFK 50 would never have existed. Lucky for him and the future JFK 50, he got a break in December 1956 and took a job with Martin Aircraft in Baltimore, Maryland, and immediately joined the Baltimore Olympic Club as their top runner, competing in more meets than he did in college. In 1957, at the age of 29, Sawyer continued his dominance at multiple distances and was described as a Hagerstown two-miler with larceny in his heart spring in his legs, and a stopwatch in his head. He was referred to as one of the South Atlantic area's greatest distance runners, and perhaps one of the greatest in the country. It was reported, Sawyer works out at the campus of St. James School near his home in Hagerstown, running a two-mile course. He rarely runs less than 10 miles a day in all kinds of weather. In 1959, he became one of the first Americans to break 9 minutes for 2 miles on an indoor track with a time of 8 minutes 59 seconds at Madison Square Garden, ranking him 7th among Americans that year. I always dreamed that someday I would be one of the big shots in track and field. Sawyer was a serious Olympic hopeful for the 1960 Olympics in Rome, Italy for the 10,000 meters. But in October 1959, he injured an ankle and also had a sore leg from running a hard race on pavement. I was disappointed, and the more I watched other people run, the worse I got. Consequently, I began to stay away from the meets. But by January 1960, he had healed and was back into training. During the cold weather months, Sawyer ran most of his miles indoors at Hagerstown YMCA, running circles on a tiny balcony track about 15 miles a day. He also conveniently lived at the YMCA and would have feuds with the basketball players that wanted him to close the upper windows as he ran. Hey, close the window up there. It's cold. He soon returned to his winning ways in the indoor two mile. I was more surprised than anyone to win. I hadn't been able to do any speed work since I injured my leg. A significant historic event took place in 1960 that would affect the future of JFK 50. Sawyer founded the Cumberland Valley Athletic Club, or CVAC, based out of Hagerstown and the YMCA. Many young runners joined and started to be coached by Sawyer. The club still exists today. In June 1960, Sawyer traveled to Bakersfield, California in a quest to qualify for an Olympic team berth. But there, his Olympic dreams were dashed away because his painful sciatic nerve condition surfaced again terribly. He was sidelined for months, but by March 1961, he was winning again. He coached many talented young runners who achieved greatness, 
They learned from Sawyer and gained their passion for the sport from him. The stage was now set for the birth of the JFK 50. With all the 50-mile hikes taking place across the country in 1963, Sawyer decided to organize his own hike for his Cumberland Valley Athletic Club. The 50-miler took place on March 30, 1963, and was called the CVAC 50-mile hike. The route chosen was on the Appalachian Trail and the CNO Canal towpath. He wanted the course to have as little pavement as possible for the hike. Well, the father of the JFK, William Buzz Sawyer, he's, 80, he's 85 years of age now, and, and it was, Buzz was a world-class runner in the 1950s and early 1960s, so when he laid out this course, he wanted to make it challenging, and, um, and he did. Uh, I was telling, uh, I've told people before, when you start this event, the first five and a half miles climb well over a thousand feet in elevation, the first five and a half miles. And uh, then when you get to that point, you only have 44.7 miles to go, but it's all downhill, we tell people. Unlike almost all the other hundreds of 50-mile events that year, the young, teenaged CVAC club members had been training for the hike. Sawyer, aged 34, said, The club members were supposed to be in good shape, and that's what I intend to find out. This should be a good test for them. The finish would be at the private St. James School in Hagerstown, Maryland, with a possible one-mile run around the track, quote, just to soften up some of the blisters. <laughs> the 50-miler in 1963 was a private running club event not open to the general public and was originally planned to be about 53 miles. One runner recalled, There was absolutely no race component to it. It was just... Can we do it? The CVAC hikers traveled very light, carrying only a supply of band-aids and a sandwich or two. Pumps along the CNO Canal towpath were used for water. The plan was to not stop very long, for fear that the boys would stiffen up and wouldn't get back up. Cars met the group at various places along the way to provide some support. All 11 hikers, except Sawyer, were high school students. Sawyer was the only one who had any previous long-distance hiking experience, a 25-mile jaunt from Raleigh to Durham, North Carolina, many years earlier. Rick Miller, a sophomore in high school, dressed in khaki pants, a button-down shirt, and carried a bag lunch. The route for the original hike started at Boonesboro High School, southeast of Hagerstown, and went along Route 40 to the Appalachian Trail. From there, it went to Harper's Ferry, then along the CNO Canal towpath to Downsville, and finished at St. James High School in Hagerstown, a different finishing point than today's race. The ten boys and Sawyer started at 6 a.m. Three fell behind immediately and decided to take a side route. Sometimes the participants would break into a run for a mile or two, getting ahead of Sawyer, and then lay down on the towpath waiting for him to catch up. Only three boys finished, together with Sawyer, in 13 hours 10 minutes. When they arrived at the school it was dark, so Sawyer called off the mile run around the track. The total distance covered was about 51 miles. Along the way, they had spent one hour 16 minutes resting and eating. 
The historic finishers that first year were James Ebert, age 16, Steve Koschen, age 16, Rick Miller, age 16, and Buzz Sawyer. Four others made it to mile 42 before dropping out due to fatigue. Three others took a shortcut toward the finish, covering 50 miles, but only 27 miles on the established course. After the finish, Sawyer said there were no plans for any more 50-mile hikes in the near future. With Kennedy's assassination on November 22, 1963, all the momentum for walking and running 50 miles died with him. The morning country turned its attention to the strife and turbulent 1960s. Walks turned into civil rights marches. One can only wonder if Kennedy had lived, would have ultra-running continued to catch on as a national participation sport, or was it mainly a one-year passing fad? There was one lone exception, Sawyer's CVAC 50-mile hike. The young high school runners who were members of the CVAC went to Buzz Sawyer and asked if they were going to do the 50-miler again in 1964. Sawyer said, The kids kept it going. Because this event had an organized structure backed by the CVAC, the 50-miler lived on while all other 1963 50-miler events eventually disappeared. On April 4, 1964, the second annual CVAC 50-mile hike was held and was also called the John F. Kennedy Memorial 50-mile hike. It was still a private club event. Two of the previous year's finishers were back, Eberts and Koschen. They boldly predicted that they would finish in 12 hours. Others who did not finish the first year came back to, quote, erase the DNF blots from their records. 16 runners started and the temperature was in the low 20s. Eberts and Koschen again tied for the win along with Wayne Vaughn. They came close to their prediction, finishing in 12 hours 33 minutes, running much more this time. Medals were presented to the seven runners or hikers who finished in less than 16 hours. In 1965, the race was conducted in cool, sunny weather. Eberts, Elton Horst, and Buzz Sawyer crushed the course record in 10 hours 39 minutes. 15 others finished. That year, gold medals were awarded to hikers breaking 12 hours, silver for those beating 14 hours, and bronze medals to anyone getting inside 16 hours participants were finally figuring out how to finish. Nine of the 20 starters claimed gold medals and nine others received silver medals. In 1966, the hike was still a club event, but it was opened up to the public to also join in. A couple local runners participated. Instructions included, Everyone is advised to consume a big breakfast and it is up to the individual when and where he pauses for a snack or a precious drink of water. Last year, some of the club members' parents set up a refreshment stand at Weaverton, and there are stores along the route where the hikers can stop. Some carry canteens of water with them. The field of 59 was still dominated by young runners, but it was noted that a 51-year-old, Dr. J.J. Doby, was in the field that year. Eberts was away serving in Vietnam, so was not there to defend his previous year's win. Sawyer, Kenny Baker, and Elton Horst lowered the course record, finishing in 10 hours 21 minutes. They ran and walked side by side nearly the entire way. 
That year, six girls ran. Three dropped out at 20 miles, and the others made it to mile 25. In 1967, the CVAC encouraged more non-club members to enter, but it was still dominated by members. Sawyer wanted to see more of the local running community set their sights on the event to improve their physical fitness. An anonymous donor put up $50 for the first female finisher. There were 19 starters, but the April 1st race experienced unusual 80-degree temperatures, causing some heat exhaustion and many blisters. Vaughn and Eberts were out at a fast pace, covering the first 12.9-mile stretch on the Appalachian Trail in 2 hours 57 minutes. Increased blister activity and the necessity for more frequent water stops by the leaders enabled Sawyer to catch up at mile 43. Two women entered that year but didn't finish, only reaching 9.7 miles. Vaughn, Sawyer, and Eberts tied with a new record of 10 hours 3 minutes. A total of 12 finished. State Senator Goodloe Byron participated and finished. Richard Smith, age 21, a student at the University of Maryland, was the first black participant to ever finish the JFK 50. He finished in 14 hours, 29 minutes. 1968 included the first serious female runner, Donna Acoth. Acoth had been training with the all-male CBAC at the YMCA. She trained on the balcony track during the winter and had clocked a 505 mile. The previous year she had wanted to run but was sidelined with a knee injury. This year she was ready. Acoth ran the entire JFK 50 with Sawyer, now aged 39. With eight miles to go, they caught up with Wayne Vaughn and finished together, tied for second place overall with an impressive time of 10 hours, 41 minutes. Acoth would go on to be the women's champion every year through 1973. After her finish, she didn't hang around at the finish very long because she had a date that evening and her, quote, hair was a mess. Leo Henry broke the course record with a time of 10 hours, 2 minutes. 12-year-old Kimball Byron ran with his father, Senator Byron, who dropped out at mile 35 because of a speaking engagement. Young Kimball continued and finished in the dark in 15 hours, 22 minutes. He then had to call for a ride home. It was the first of his incredible 49 JFK 50 finishes. Sadly, his father, Senator Goodloe Byron, would pass away from a heart attack at the age of 49 in 1978 while running on the CNO Canal towpath with friends. He finished JFK 50 eight times. In 1969, the race started to become a big time race with 153 entrants. The huge field caused a delayed start of 15 minutes because the officials were unprepared for the large number of last minute entries. James Eberts and Baxter Berryhill took off at a furious pace. The pair had timers shaking their watches in disbelief as they sped by checkpoints. They finished together crushing the course record with 8 hours 32 minutes. 
It was Ebert's fifth JFK 50 victory. Donna Acoff finished again and lowered the women's course record to 9 hours 27 minutes. 10-year-old Galen Pryor set the record for the youngest finisher with 13 hours 3 minutes. A record 40 runners finished that year. By the end of the 1960s, it wasn't just finishing the race anymore, finishing the course anymore that was important, was how fast could you do it. Entering the 1970s, the JFK 50 was ready to become a serious competition. In 1970, there were 275 starters, and in 1971, there were 589 starters with 150 finishers. By 1972, there were about 1,100 starters, and the race attracted the most elite ultra runners in the country. Legendary ultra runner Park Barner won in 6 hours 29 minutes. In 1973, the starting field was 1,724, the largest ultramarathon ever held in America. Back then, it was an April event. It was either the last Saturday in March or the first Saturday in April from 1963 up to 1974. And 1974, still some people, and I have to agree, the worst weather conditions ever for the JFK. It was about 27 degrees on the Appalachian Trail. It sleeted the trees would get covered with ice and they would lean into you. You had to like push the smaller tree stoppings out of the way. 83% of the field dropped out. And that's when Buzz decided to move the race to the fall, thinking he could get more predictable weather in the fall and also to allow people better training. Instead of trying to train in January, February, March, they'd be able to train in September, October, November. Sawyer said, the thing has finally grown to such stature that the Boston Marathon and the JFK 50 are the top distance races in the country. The JFK 50 was well established and would live on for decades. Sawyer continued to direct the JFK 50 for a total of 30 years until 1993 when he turned over the reins to Mike Spindler. Sawyer retired from his day job in 1987, but continued to run JFK 50 for a total of 13 finishes, his last in 2003 at the age of 75. If Buzz Sawyer looked at you or shook your hand, it was like um, Vince Lombardi in our sport. I mean, he was so reverent. He was a former U.S. national team member, ran for the USA, was undefeated an international tour, went to the 1960 Olympic trials, and then he was the guru who coached all these great runners. William Buzz Sawyer died on February 3, 2019, at the age of 90 in a nursing home. The father of the JFK 50, Buzz Sawyer, should never be forgotten. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>